Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. Good afternoon, America. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine, uh, reporting quite a distance from Washington, D.C. right now. I'm actually in uh, my hometown of birth, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, spending a little bit of time with my family. Um, COVID has kept us apart for about a year now, so I took a test. I've been very carefully isolating, took a test, showed that I was negative, and then drove a thousand miles to be here. Um, so I can spend some time with my family. I hope you and your family are well and not suffering too much at a time when there's a lot of suffering. Yesterday was the greatest level of death ever from corona. In fact, the third highest daytime death toll in American history um, after the Battle of Antietam was one of them, and um, higher actually than September 11th. Think about that. More people died yesterday than died on September 11th, 2001. I remember when the total deaths were approaching September 11th levels, and I said this would be worse than the terrorist attack. Now we have September 11th every single day. And that's scary. But you know what's more scary? More scary is the fact that people for political reasons, purely for selfish reasons, are causing more Americans to die. Because there are politicians who are refusing to do mask mandates because they're afraid of being called, I don't know what, a threat to freedom, who knows. A lot of people aren't wearing masks. Donald Trump called this whole thing a hoax called the pandemic a hoax, said that mask wearing doesn't help, and he's largely the super spreader. No wonder he and Giuliani and a whole host of his lawyers have come down with COVID. But my heart goes out to, well, the people of South Dakota. Their governor, their Republican governor, thought that South Dakota apparently was immune to a virus, apparently thought that because there are big crowds in big cities, that only New York and Los Angeles and New Jersey, Chicago would suffer from the virus. Now we find actually that cities because city folk are masks, keeping social distance, staying outdoors. Not all of them, to be sure, but better than in places like South Dakota, where they had a motorcycle rally in Sturgis. Yes, they've had it every year for a long time, but this was the wrong year to do it. They don't have the capacity in small-town South Dakota. They don't have the hospital beds. So people are dying in record numbers. And there are still politicians who are still not supporting mask mandates until their best friend dies, their husband, their wife dies, their kids die, their parents die. There is a lot to fear in this country. The virus is real. But there are real steps to avoid 
getting the coronavirus, and we know that. No, the masks aren't perfect, but they do a heck of a lot of good in helping to prevent transmission. You should never go indoors in a public place away from your family without a mask. Never. Don't do it. You're risking your own life, and even if you're young and healthy and less likely to get it, and young and healthy people do die from coronavirus, but even so, you can get it and you can transmit it to someone who's not young or not healthy, a stranger or someone you love. Here's the good news. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. We know that's true. The vaccines are have just been approved in America. Just the beginning, though. It's going to take months to roll them out. We don't have enough. Donald Trump actually refused Pfizer's offer to provide more vaccines. I guess he was trying for a better deal. But so more people are going to die. A lot more people. But we will eventually get the vaccines. Uh, my guess is someone around my age and health will get it. My guess is March or April. Uh, the elderly healthcare workers will get it starting soon through January, February, um, and probably all the way down to our children by the summer. But I think by next fall, by the time next school starts, we can finally live close to normal lives again. So there are real things to fear. There are also things that we shouldn't fear. There are things that if we fear, it's more dangerous than if we don't. I'm talking, of course, about the lie that the Trump administration is spreading regarding election fraud. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, in his great inaugural speech of 1933, in really probably America's greatest crisis um, before this one, the middle of the Great Depression. I, I think, uh, you know, we could argue about World War II or McCarthyism. Uh, there was the great pandemic of 1918-19, but I suspect that the only crisis, the most recent crisis to this one that goes up in magnitude is the Great Depression. And of course, fewer Americans died during the Great Depression than have died due to COVID. But Franklin Delano Roosevelt delivered these very famous, inspiring words at his 1933 inauguration. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified fear. That's the belief of at least half, half according to recent polls, at least half, some say up to 70%, of every American who voted for Trump. So 74 million Americans voted for Trump, Pence, and 35, 40 million maybe 50 million of them, actively believe that we are not a democracy anymore, that the election was somehow fraudulent, that it was stolen. And many of them are advocating violence. So we're going to have to spend a lot of this show going over the same old lies, 
that have been easily recognized that they've been heard now in more than 50 courts, separate lawsuits all across the nation, in Georgia, in Arizona, in Nevada, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, even in Minnesota, all across the nation, from the lowest court, from the trial court to the appellate court to state Supreme Courts in Arizona and Pennsylvania, from the lower federal court, from federal courts of appeals to even the United States Supreme Court. In no case ever did a single judge of any of these courts, from the most liberal to the very most conservative, including judges appointed by Trump himself, did a single judge ever find there was a level of fraud significant enough to overturn a single state's election. None. In fact, the only fraud I know of is one Republican guy, I think he was in Colorado, I know he's a registered Republican, who did try to vote for with his dead mother's um, uh, ballot. Has been arrested, the ballot was not counted, and um, he's gonna face some jail time. So that's one that did not succeed. That's the only fraud that I've heard. Now, did some occasional numbers get transposed? Did um, some person in one place forget to check a tape on election night and checked other tapes? Yeah, that happens. That happens in every election. But Georgia has counted and recounted and recounted yet again, thrice counted by paper ballot, looking at every ballot, and the result has come out the same every single time. Roughly 12,000 vote margins for Joe Biden. The same in Arizona, the same in Nevada, the same in Wisconsin. In Michigan, it's by more than 100,000 votes. So what is this fear that Donald Trump is, is peddling? And why are all, or mostly all, 90% of Republicans in Congress going along with it? How do they profit from this kind of fear? And why do people believe it? Why do people believe something so obviously untrue that these lawyers are literally getting laughed out of court? What few lawyers are going to court given that the vast majority of them have quit? We'll go into that after the break. If you want to call in, it's 888-48-MARK, 888-488-6275. Right back after this. He's a Bible-quoting, Constitution-loving, flag-waving, red-blooded, liberal American. He's Mark Levine. And now, the voice of reason in an unreasonable world, Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. We do have a lot to fear in America, but you know what? It isn't the coronavirus. It isn't election fraud. No, we have met the enemy. He is us. We do have something to fear. What we have to fear, as Franklin Delano Roosevelt told us, is fear itself. We are living in unusually painful times. And painful to me because it's worse than a hurricane. It's worse in some ways than World War II in America, the Great Depression, 
America's faced hard times before, to be sure. And when that happens, usually, we all come together, we all make it better. If a hurricane comes to our town, then we get together, we work together, we put sandbags in front of stores, we board up windows together, we open up shelters, we encourage people to flee. Neighbors help neighbors, they travel through flooded streets, rescue people stranded on roofs. You've seen it, I've seen it, that is the best America has to offer. During the Great Depression, there were soup kitchens, people helping one another, maybe not enough, but they did exist. During World War II, Americans understood we had to sacrifice. Little children rationed pieces of thread, aluminum foil, everything for the war effort. And with that sense of shared sacrifice, we endured. We endured some really hard times. During the Civil Rights era, good people, not all people, not all Americans, but good people, black and white, stood up to the forces of bigotry, segregation, and violence, marched together across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, what John Lewis called good trouble. Now, there we were more divided as a nation, that's true, but good people bonded together to shine through. What do we have today? We have a nation sorely divided. I would argue more divided than we were in the 1960s, more divided than in the Great Depression, more divided than at any time, I would argue, since the Civil War. And what are the two issues that divide us? They're both based entirely on fear and grift Americans helping. It's based on Americans conning one another, tricking one another, scamming one another, using one another, not giving a damn about others' lives. We could start with COVID. There is a way to deal with COVID. There was a way to deal with COVID. There's a way that many industrialized nations have dealt with COVID, some better than others, all better than we. 4% of the world's population, one quarter or more now of the world's COVID cases, 300,000 Americans dead. We've talked about this. America got, the United States of America, the first American got diagnosed with COVID the same time as the first South Korean got diagnosed with COVID. And South Korea acted quickly with masks, with social distancing, with testing, with contact tracing, with PPE in hospitals. They traced every single coronavirus patient. And today it is true that hundreds of South Koreans have died from coronavirus. It is a deadly pandemic. 300 some South Koreans are dead. 300,000 Americans will soon be dead. I think we're at 290-something now. A thousand times worse for a country in the United States that's maybe five times the size of South Korea. It's not just them. New Zealand is practically virus-free. Australia. Europe didn't do well. 
Like they did better than we did. And the countries like Finland and Denmark that put in masks did much better than countries like Sweden that did not. This was a choice. This was a political choice made by our political leaders to let Americans die to achieve some larger political end. Yeah, people don't want to wear masks. I don't like to wear a mask. I don't have one on now, but I'm way more than six feet for everyone in this house. It's not fun. It's not fun to take a vaccine that's probably going to hurt your arm, folks. Maybe even make you feel sick for a day. It's not fun. But it will save lives. It wasn't fun to ration during World War II. But frankly, the amount of lives we saved by saving our aluminum, tin can, our aluminum cans, our tin cans in World War II, I dare say, was not quite as important to the war effort as wearing a mask is to not killing your fellow American. And what do we have? We have angry people appearing maskless all throughout the country in local city, hall, city councils and state governments arguing, I don't want to have to wear a mask because I, it makes my face, I don't want to wear it. And if I kill thousands of my community, let them die. And it's kind of, that's what they're saying. What do you think about that? I'm willing to kill my own family, my own spouse, my wife, my husband, my kids, my grandparents. I'm willing to kill myself. I'm willing to kill strangers I see in the supermarket because I don't want to wear a piece of cloth on my face. That's really ugly. That's really ugly. I don't care what religion you belong to. No religion tolerates reckless killing of other people, innocent people. What are we thinking, folks? We've got religions, we talked about this last week, going to the United States Supreme Court, saying, and listen, religious worship is an important thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's nice to sing with others, sitting close by you, without a mask. It's nice. But it's not worth it. Come on, we know better. 888-48-MARK, 888-48-6275. We'll be right back after this. And now, the voice of reason in an unreasonable world, Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. So we talked before the break about Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the Great Depression, World War II, and how Americans really started to stand together, to stick together, to work together, to deal with national crises the way it should be. Now, it didn't always happen in the Great Depression. There were really ugly things said. There was actually a radio priest by the name of Charles Coughlin that preached Nazism. So yes, we've had anti-Semitism, racism, sexism throughout American history. I don't mean to say we were all good at any time, but still it's, it felt like the overwhelming zeitgeist of the day was let's all work together. 
Let's all get it done. Let's all sacrifice. Today, it feels like it's all for me and none for you. That who cares if you die? I need my business to survive. I need my 401k to grow. And look, I am sympathetic to small business. They do need to survive. Restaurants do need to survive. And it's really, really hard to have a restaurant. I mean, you could have some outdoors in the summer months, but winter's coming along. It's going to be really hard. That's why Congress has to step up. The answer is not let people come in the restaurant and sit close to each other without masks and infect each other and more people will die. That's not the answer. But the answer isn't let the business go bankrupt either. It's a false choice. The answer is to do what we did during the Great Depression to, yes, use deficit spending to provide aid to tie us over. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. The vaccines are coming. And, of course, the U.S. House of Representatives has been ready to do this to the tune of trillions of dollars for months now. The United States Senate, under Republican control, says no. Let Americans die. Let their businesses go under. We don't care. We're just protecting our stock portfolios. Indeed, both of the Georgia Republican senators that are running in the runoff on January 5th sacrificed their constituents, sacrificed Georgians' lives to make a little more money in the stock market through insider trading because they knew how bad it was before we did because they got secret intelligence that said that it was. I see a lot of selfishness out there. For 59 years, the only bill that Congress has successfully passed every year was the military authorization bill to pay our troops. And we can always disagree on where our troops are, where they should be, what wars we should fight, what what things, what armaments Pentagon should hold. Sure, we've disagreed about that for 60 years, but we've always paid our troops until now. There's a bill going through Congress that passed with veto-proof majorities, they called it. Got some 377 votes out of the 435-member House, and less than 10 senators voted against it. I think there were eight. But Donald Trump vetoed it. You know why? No, not because of some payment issue with uh, our troops or some armament or some restriction on war use or even based on his wall. Nope. No, he vetoed it because it removed the names of less than a dozen bases, American bases in the South, named for the traitors who bore arms against the United States during the Civil War. That's right. Donald Trump sacrificed today's military in order to protect traitors who bore arms against the United States in the bloodiest war in American history. There are not many events that killed more Americans than COVID, but one of them is the Civil War. Just think about that. Donald Trump cares more about dead traitors than live patriotic Americans. But okay, Trump, he's crazy. He's racist. Tell me something we don't know. Yet ain't just him. 
the Republicans, the same Republicans that voted for the sides, fearless leader says, no matter how stupid, no matter how wrong, no matter how much they know it's wrong, they're going to obey him. Looks like they may not override his veto. Looks like our troops won't be paid. Think about that. Think about being stationed in Afghanistan or Germany or Korea. And it's Christmas time. And you're away from your family, from your wife, from your husband, from your kids. And you can't afford to send home a Christmas present because you're not being paid. You can't go home because you're serving your country. But because your president and his party cares more about dead traitors than he does about you, your family will just have to go without for Christmas. You know, Ebenezer Scrooge had more decency than the current Republican Party. There's a lot of selfishness going around. In Florida, you may have heard about the pandemic specialist who tried to post the real numbers of people being tested and people catching corona in Florida and was told to change the numbers and refused and was fired. And so after she was fired, she went and posted them anyway. And then they sent armed police officers into her home with a search warrant to grab her computer servers because she dared tell Americans the truth. We expect these things in Putin's Russia. We don't expect them in the United States of America. I realize that hope is around the corner, both in terms of vaccines for the coronavirus and in terms of a new president and vice president who will take the oath on January 20th. The Electoral College votes this Monday and will vote to make Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris the next president and vice president of the United States. There is hope, but there's also a lot of fear. There's legitimate fear and there's illegitimate fear. The legitimate fear is, yes, fear of the virus, but we know ways to deal with it. And good policymakers and good Americans can deal with the virus. We know that hundreds have died in other countries, even though we have hundreds of thousands here. No, the real fear we have to face is fear itself. Most of you know I am a state delegate in Virginia, state representative. I proudly represent 85,000 people in Alexandria, Arlington, Fairfax, Northern Virginia. I got a letter yesterday from a constituent. Urged Virginia to join the Texas lawsuit. Do you know what the Texas lawsuit is? The lawsuit by the Attorney General of Texas himself under criminal investigation by the FBI, but maybe he wants a pardon. Texas is suing Michigan, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania because the people in those states voted for Biden. Yeah. It's that stupid. It's that crazy. The lawsuit doesn't allege fraud. It's going up to the U.S. Supreme Court. 
the reason it goes up to the U.S. Supreme Court is that one of the few things the U.S. Supreme Court has original jurisdiction over is battles between states. When Virginia and Tennessee had a a a, um, a disagreement over their borderline, or Delaware and New Jersey, they went to the U.S. Supreme Court that resolved the boundary lines between states. Never has it been used for a state to say that we don't like the way you elected the president. I mean, I think Michigan, Pennsylvania could countersue Texas. We don't like the way you voted for Donald Trump. To say it's a frivolous theory really understates the case. Anyone who brings this case should be disbarred. Anyone who brings this case doesn't understand the first part of the United States Constitution, which says that every state gets to decide its electors. And every state today decides their electors based on the popular vote in every state. We do it a little bit by congressional districts. But all these laws are set. Texas clearly doesn't have standing to challenge another state. But they're doing it. And some people actually believe it has some merit. Now, I'll tell you who doesn't. That's Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is evil and slimy and smarmy, but he's not dumb. He's a Harvard Law educated person. He knows that there's no way in hell that the U.S. Supreme Court will take this case. And yet he promised to argue it, knowing he'd never be called upon, knowing it would be dismissed. Guess he wants some of that Trump magic, that Trump lying magic. But it's not all fun and games, people. This kind of lies may well lead to violence. We're going to get back to that right after the break. Call in 888-48-MARK. Back after this. He's a Harvard economist and a Yale lawyer. He does not keep up with the Kardashians. He's Mark Levine. Back to the aggressive progressive, Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. Perhaps the clearest difference between Republican politicians and Democratic politicians today is that Democratic politicians tend to like or at least respect or at least tell the truth to their own constituents. They're not trying to steal from them. They might try to raise some money, but they're not using lies to do so. Republicans do not respect their constituents. They laugh about them behind their back. They joke knowing that Joe Biden won the election. I have never met a single Republican elected official that didn't concede to me privately that Joe Biden won the election. They don't believe the ridiculous lies about fraud. But they're lying because it's profitable. Donald Trump has raised more than a quarter billion dollars, more than $250 million just grifting, just sending out those emails. Hey, help us stop election fraud. Well, if there were election fraud, don't you think one of the 50-plus lawsuits they filed would have found it rather than them all being dismissed outright? No, they know there's no election fraud. Even Melania is packing up at the White House, getting ready to go home. But it's profitable. You scare people. You make them think that we have no real democracy. They get angry, they get scared, and they give you donations. So it's not just Donald Trump doing it. Fewer than 10% of Republican elected members of Congress actually admit that Joe Biden won the election. 
And I guarantee you, they're not all that stupid. Indeed, I think very few of them are that stupid. I think it'll be hard to press to find more than on one hand Republicans who legitimately believe that there was any kind of election fraud that made the difference in the election. But it's profitable, and those stupid rubes who vote for Republicans, they're giving their life savings at a time of great economic depression. Hey, it's the same thing as the preacher with the megachurch who has three Lear jets getting it from the woman who cuts her pills in half because she can't afford medicine. But hey, it's a grift. It's profitable. What's the harm? The harm is it's quite likely to lead to violence. In fact, I fear that very soon there will be a violent act. Someone's going to get killed or an attempted killing. Some election official, some secretary of state, probably a Republican who's brave enough to stand up against the mob will have their life in danger because of this lie. It's not just a ruse to trick stupid people into giving you money. It's dangerous. They're even threatening low-level election officials doing nothing but delivering ballots. Did you hear the plea of the Georgia election official, the Republican, Trump-supporting election official who begged people to stop? Let's play that clip. Gabriel Sterling. And at the beginning of this, I'm going to do my best to keep it together because it has all gone too far. All of it. Joe DeGeneva today asked for Chris Krebs, a patriot who ran CISA, to be shot. A 20-something tech in Gwinnett County today has death threats and a noose put out saying he should be hung for treason because he was transferring a report on batches from an EMS to a county computer so he could read it. It has to stop. But it hasn't Mr. stopped, Mr. President. Has he goes on to talk about how the president is causing people to threaten violence. The greatest terrorist threat in the United States today, it's not Al-Qaeda. It's Americans, inspired by the Republican Party to commit violence, to have a coup d'etat. We have not seen violence against the central government of this scale since the Civil War. The attorney for Chris Krebs, you remember Chris Krebs? He's the guy, former director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. The person who worked very hard to give us a free and fair election and said accurately that we had the most secure election in American history in November 2020 and was promptly fired by Donald Trump for telling the truth. Well, he was threatened. You heard that. Threatened, was told by one of Trump's lawyers he should be shot. And now a shadow group has launched a campaign on a website called Enemies of the People proposing the assassination of several Republican and Democratic leaders. 
Officials have received threats in Arizona and in Georgia, in Kentucky, in Minnesota, in Vermont, in Wisconsin, in Colorado, including the Republican Party. Because in Arizona and in Georgia, Republicans control those states. But, it's a, but their election officials are honest. Yet the Arizona Republican Party, attacking its own leaders, asked its followers, quote, if they're willing to give their lives to overturn the election and die for something. What are they dying for, Arizona Republican Party? What are you asking Americans to kill their elected officials for? And why aren't you on the terrorist watch list? Armed protesters outside the door of Michigan Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. Gabriel Sterling, you heard him. Senior Georgia election official talking about death threats. And the President of the United States saying, we will soon be learning about the word courage and saving our country leading the Republican majority leader of the Pennsylvania State Senate to say that if she refused to cooperate with, with uh, efforts to overturn a fair American election, she was told her house would be bombed tonight. Now, to be fair, many people standing up to the president are Republicans, all the Democrats are, but the state-level Republican state officials are doing it. They understand their duty is to democracy, to counting the votes. But Donald Trump is trying to get them to overturn an election. Think about the precedent there. The idea that violence and threats can get state officials to overturn a democratic election. Yeah, we hear about that in Russia and in Iran. Never before in the United States. And what's scary is not that Donald Trump is supporting a terrorist attack, a traitorous betrayal, a coup on the United States government. That's not the scary thing. The scary thing is so many elected Republicans are staying silent or supporting it. Not all. Mitt Romney called it madness. But 90% of federally elected Republicans will tell you privately it's madness, and publicly they won't say a thing. Heck, these two Georgia wannabe senators, Republicans, are calling on the Georgia Republican Secretary of State, Rappensperger, to step down because he dared to conduct a free election. The time when an American official has to step down because he conducted a free and fair election and because he's threatened violently if he doesn't, is the time we officially become a fascist state. We're this close. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. But oh my God, we need to fear fear. Fear is dangerous. You heard Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Un fear. It is what led to the Nazis. It is what led to McCarthyism. It is what led to and Klansmen. It is what's led to the worst violence in both American history and world history. I get that people are afraid. I get it. 
We're in tough times. The pandemic has killed 300,000 people. We're facing the greatest economic danger since the Great Depression. These are tough times. But in the past, we've bonded together. We know how to beat COVID. Wear a mask, wash your hands, practice social distancing. Don't go out to ball games. Stay indoors. Take the vaccine when it comes. We know how to fight economic depression. Pass the $2 trillion bill out of the house. Don't give this liability protection to businesses that are killing people with their COVID policies. We know how to have fair elections. Do a recount, support paper ballots. I'm all about paper ballots. I passed the law. I wrote the law in Virginia for voter verified paper ballots. We know how to do this, America. And we'll only do it if we join together rather than fighting each other. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Rumor has it he quotes the Constitution in his sleep. Is it super nerd? No, it's Mark Levine.